Welcome to our Good Evening, Good Friday service this evening. Uh, the making of uh, the night in its original time was a long time in coming. Truly, since the days of the Garden of Eden, the night that we are about to remember had been prophesied in different ways for eons. As we go through our service tonight, um, just a few instructions. Uh, if you have been with us before, lately you know that we've been uh, coming forward uh, to do communion and we have uh, the wine and the bread here. Uh, so when we get to that time, um, you can come uh, up from your rows and take one of each and then go back and sit down and we will wait then until we receive the elements. Uh, for our visitors, uh, we have uh, wine in the outer areas and the center three typically uh, in this instance are grape juice. Uh, so be aware of that as well. As we prepare our hearts, as we consider uh, what makes this day so special, why they call it Good Friday. I wanted to read just a little bit from uh, one of the major prophets that spoke the most of Jesus and his life and ministry from Isaiah 53. Who has believed what he has heard from us? And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? For he grew up before him like a young plant and like a root out of dry ground. He had no form or majesty that we should look at him and no beauty that we should desire him. He was despised, rejected by men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And as one from whom men hid their eyes, he was despised. And we esteemed him not. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. And by his wounds we are healed. All we, like sheep, have gone astray. We have turned every one to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. As we go through this evening's service and remember in very tangible ways tonight, it is my prayer that the Spirit fills us and fills this temple with his presence. Let's pray together. Father, we are here tonight to once again refresh our minds as to what it is truly to be counted as a disciple, a follower of Jesus Christ. We have many good examples from Scripture that tell us what we ought to do, how we ought to live, 
And yet it's only possible because of what will take place this night and this weekend. And so as we go through the events of the story once again, a story again that has been centuries in the making, we pray that you would visit with us here. Clear our minds of distraction and fill us with your spirit. And may we together in communion remember what our Lord has done for us. It is in his name that we pray. Amen. If you would stand, let's open our time in song. When Jesus was in Bethany at the house of Simon the leper, a woman came in carrying a 
a very expensive jar of perfume and began to pour it on Jesus' head. When the disciples that were there with him saw what was going on, they were indignant and saying, why all this waste? All of that could have been sold for a large sum of money and, and given to the poor. Why are you bothering the woman, Jesus said? The poor you will always have with you. You will not always have me. What she has done is a very noble thing for me. In doing so, she has prepared my body for burial. In fact, every time the gospel message is proclaimed throughout the world, what she has done will be told in memory of her. From that time, Judas, one of the twelve, went out and met with the chief priests and the elders and asked them, how much would you give me if I betray Jesus to you. And they had agreed on a price of 30 pieces of silver. And from then on, Judas went out trying to find an opportunity to betray him. On the first day of unleavened bread, the disciples asked Jesus, where should we go and, and prepare the Passover for you? Jesus said, go into, a, into the town and you'll find there a certain man. Tell him, my teacher says, tonight, because my time is near, I'm coming with my disciples to your house to celebrate the Passover. And the disciples did as Jesus had instructed them. When evening came, he was reclining at the, at the table with his disciples. And he said, One of you, one of you will betray me. At that point, everybody began to ask Jesus in turn, Surely not I, Lord. Jesus said, it's, it's the one who has dipped his hand with me into the bowl. The Son of Man will go just as it has been written of him, but woe to that man who betrays the Son of Man. It would have been better for him if he had never been born. Judas came up to Jesus and said, Surely not I, Rabbi, it is as you have said. The table then was prepared for the disciples. And they all gathered around and began to recline at the table with Jesus. Tonight, the meal is prepared for you, Jesus' disciples. So come. The table is set for you.
as they were there at the table, Jesus took the bread, blessed it, and broke it. And he said to them, Take and eat it. This is my body. the end of the meal he took the cup and after giving thanks he said to his disciples drink from it all of you this is my blood in the covenant which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins Jesus said, I tell you, I will not drink this again until I drink it with you anew in my Father's kingdom. And then they sang a hymn and went out to the Mount of Olives.
Then Jesus said, Tonight, all of you will fall away on account of me. As it is written, they will strike the shepherd and the sheep of the flock will be scattered. But after I am raised, I will go ahead of you into Galilee. Peter said, Even if everyone else falls away, I never will. Peter, I tell you the truth. Tonight, before the rooster crows, you will have denied three times that you even know me. Even if I have to die with you, I will never deny you. And all the disciples said the same thing. Jesus then went to a place called Gethsemane, the garden there. And he said, sit here while I go off and pray. Sorrow began to overwhelm him and he had Peter and James and John with him and he said, sit here and stay awake with me while I go off and pray. Going a little bit further, Jesus fell face down and prayed, Father, if it's possible, let this cup pass from me. Yet not what I want, but what you want. He came back to his disciples and he found them sleeping and he said to Peter, couldn't you even stay awake one hour and pray? Stay awake. Pray that temptation doesn't come to you. I know your spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. He went away and prayed a second time. Father, if it is not possible unless I drink this cup, your will be done. When he came back, he found them sleeping a second time and he left them. Went back and prayed the same things one more time. He came back to the disciples again the third time. He said, Are you still sleeping and resting? Look, the time is near. The Son of Man is betrayed into the hands of sinners. Get up. Let's go. My betrayer is coming. While he was speaking, Judas, one of the twelve, had come with a large mob with swords and clubs. And one of the chief priests and the elders was there with him. Judas had given a sign to them, the, the one that I come up to and greet and kiss, he's the one. Arrest him. Judas then came up to Jesus immediately and said, Greetings, Rabbi. 
and gave him the kiss. Friend, he said, why have you come? They came up and took hold of Jesus and arrested them. Just then one of Jesus' followers drew his sword and slashed at the high priest's servant, cutting off his ear. Put away your sword, Jesus said. Those who take up the sword will die by the sword. Don't you know that I could call right now on my Father and He would immediately send over twelve legions of angels? But then how would the Scriptures be fulfilled that it must happen this way? Jesus addressed the crowd and said, Have you come out to capture me with swords and clubs as if I'm a criminal? Every day I sat in the temple teaching and you didn't arrest me. All this happened so that the writings of the prophets would be fulfilled. Then all the disciples, all the disciples deserted him and ran away. Those who had arrested Jesus led him away to Caiaphas, the high priest, where the scribes and the elders were convened. Peter was following at a distance right up to the courtyard and he stayed outside to see what would happen and he sat among the servants. The chief priests and the whole Sanhedrin were looking for false testimony so that they could kill Jesus. And even though many false witnesses came forward, none of them gave a testimony. But then two came forward and said, This man says he can destroy the temple of God and rebuild it in three days. The high priest stood up and addressed Jesus. Don't you have an answer for what these men are testifying against you? Jesus never answered him. Not even a word. The high priest said to him, I charge you under oath by the living God, tell us if you are the Messiah, the Son of God. It is as you have said. But I will tell you that in the future you will see the Son of Man seated at the right hand of power and coming on the clouds of heaven. The high priest tore his robe. Blasphemy, he said. What further testimony do we need? You have all heard his blasphemy. What is your decision? He deserves death, they said. Then they spat in his face and they beat him. Others struck him on the face and said, Prophesy to us, Messiah. Who was it that hit you? Meanwhile, Peter was sitting out in the courtyard and a servant girl came up to him and said, You were with Jesus the Galilean. But he denied it in front of everyone. I don't know what you're talking about. When he had gone out of the gateway, another woman saw him and told those who were there, 
This man was with Jesus the Nazarene. Again, Peter denied it, this time with an oath. I don't know the man. After a little while, others approached him and said, you really are one of them. Even your accent gives you away. Then he began to curse and swear with an oath, I don't know the man. Immediately, the rooster crowed. And Peter had remembered what Jesus had said. Tonight, before the rooster crows, you will have denied three times that you even know me. Just then, Peter caught Jesus' eye and he went out and wept bitterly. When daybreak came, all the chief priests and the elders of the people plotted against Jesus to put him to death. After tying him up, they led him away and handed him over to Pilate, the governor. As Jesus stood before the governor, he asked, Are you the king of the Jews? It is as you say. But while the chief priests and elders accused him, he didn't answer a word. Don't you hear how much they are testifying against you? But he still didn't answer any of their charges. At the festival, it was the governor's custom to release for the people any one of the prisoners that they wanted. There was at that time a very notorious prisoner, Barabbas by name. He was being held on the charge of murder during the insurrection. So when they had gathered together, Pilate asked them, which of them do you want me to release to you? Barabbas or Jesus, who is called Messiah? He knew that it was out of envy that Jesus had been handed over to them. Meanwhile, sitting on the judge's bench, Pilate's wife came up to him and said, have nothing to do with this righteous man, for I have tough, suffered terribly in a dream because of him. However, the chief priest and the elders persuaded the crowds to release Barabbas and to execute Jesus. So the governor asked them, which of the two do you want me to release to you, Barabbas or Jesus? Barabbas, they said. What then should I do with Jesus, who's called Christ? Crucify him! Why? Pilate said. What wrong has he done? But they shouted all the more. Crucify him! When Pilate saw that he was getting nowhere, but that a riot was starting instead, he took some water washed his hands in front of the crowd and said, I am innocent of this man's blood. See to it yourself. And all the people said, His blood be on our hands and on our children's. And so he released Barabbas to them. And after having Jesus flogged, he handed him over to be crucified. Then the governor's soldiers took Jesus into the governor's residence and gathered the whole company of soldiers around him. They stripped him 
and dressed him in a purple robe. They twisted together a crown of thorns and placed it on his head. They gave him a staff and put it in his hand and knelt down before him and said, Hail, King of the Jews! And they took the staff from his hand and they began to beat him on the head with it. After they had mocked him, spit on him, and beat him, they stripped him of the robe, put his own clothes on him, and led him away to be crucified. As they were going out, they found a man from Cyrene named Simon, and they forced him to carry the cross for Jesus. When they came to the place called Golgotha, which means place of the skull, they gave him wine mixed with gall to drink, but when he tasted it, he refused to drink it. After crucifying him, they divided his clothes by casting lots for them. Above his head they put the charge, This is Jesus, King of the Jews. Two criminals were crucified with him that day, one on his right and one on his left. Those who passed by were yelling insults at him, shaking their heads and saying, You who would destroy the temple and rebuild it in three days, save yourself. If you are the Son of God, come down from the cross. The chief priests with the scribes and elders also were mocking him and said, He saves others, cannot save himself. He's the King of Israel. Let Him come down from the cross and we will believe in Him. He trusts in God. Let God rescue Him. For He says, I am the Son of God. Even the criminals who were with Him taunted Him. From noon that day until about three in the afternoon, darkness came over the whole land. And about three in the afternoon, Jesus cried out with a loud voice, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani. Which means, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? When some of those standing by heard this, they said, he's calling for Elijah. One of them ran and got a sponge and filled it with sour wine and put it on a stick to give it to him to drink. But they said, wait! Let's see if Elijah comes to save him. But Jesus cried out again with a loud voice and gave up his spirit. Suddenly the curtain in the sanctuary was torn from top to bottom. And the earth quaked, and the rocks were split apart. The tombs were also opened, and many of the believers who had died already came out of the tombs. When the centurion and those who were with Jesus saw what had happened, and the earthquake, and all the things that were happening, they were terrified. But they said, Certainly, this man was the Son of God. 
Many women who had followed Jesus from Galilee and looked after Him were there, watching from a distance. Among them were Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James and Joseph, and the mother of Zebedee's sons. When it was evening, a rich man from Arimathea, Joseph, who also was a disciple, came to Pilate and approached him and asked for Jesus' body. And Pilate ordered that it would be released. So Joseph took the body and wrapped it in clean, fine linen and placed it into a new tomb which he had cut into the rock. He left after rolling a great stone in front of the entrance to the tomb. And the light of the world had gone out. Many of us have grown up all of our lives hearing this story told dozens of times in our life. And it's good for us to remember what happened on this night. So much of what we just heard tonight was so so clean. It almost seems a bit sanitized. If you were there, as Chandler was playing early, were you there? You would have seen something different, much more graphic than what we just read. The story gives us the idea that Jesus was flogged And in our text tonight, that's the only thing that was referenced. And they led him away and flogged him. But when you understand what Jesus endured in that flogging, it's a whole different picture in our minds. Isaiah 52 says he was beaten so badly, he was marred beyond even recognition. Not just your typical 40 lashes with a regular whip that some of them and maybe even Paul would eventually suffer. This was a beating that some people never survived. Some people that were scheduled for crucifixion never made it to the cross because they didn't survive the flogging. The whip was not just a leather strap. It had shards of metal and pottery, heavy objects in there so it would damage the skin and rip it open. When you consider the the sacrifices that we've been reading about in the Old Testament and all the blood that was shed, picture that. Picture all the amount of blood that would have been there when almost every inch of your body has been ripped open. The song was played while we were coming for communion. Were you there? Were you there that night? We can't say yes to that. This is 2,000 years already. But we were. Because in that night, Jesus stood in your place and mine.
And every time the whip would come on Jesus' back and they would tear off more of his flesh, that should have been me. And it should have been you. And when they took that crown of thorns, they took the crown of thorns and if I were to put this on my head, I would do it so gingerly. I pick up a piece of wood sometimes and I get a sliver in my hand and I shriek in a little bit of pain. They took a crown similar to this one and they placed it on his head and then took the staff that he had and began to beat him with it. And they kept beating him with it. And that whole company of soldiers, every one of them would go up and strike him in the face. And he survived. All the beating, the flogging, punched in the face, beaten with a staff. He survived it. And then he had to carry his own cross. I was here the day that this was brought into the church. It's very light. If you and I were to take up our cross, as Scripture says, this would be an easy one to do, but Jesus carried something a little bit more like this. And he had to carry it on his shoulders. And this, mind you, was after he was beaten so badly that some people died. It got so bad that they got Joseph to come and carry it for him. But then they still took him and put him on that cross and they took those nails and one by one they began to put him into Jesus' flesh. Put yourself in Jesus' place. Can you imagine when they grabbed for the next nail? And then they nailed your feet together as well. Were you there? Yeah, you were. Because Jesus stood in your place. He took all the pain, the suffering, the rejection... So you and I would not have to. Everything he endured that night was out of obedience to his Father and out of love for you. And even though he knew exactly what lay ahead of him that night, and even though he prayed, Father, if it is not possible that this cup pass, let your will be done. He knew the anguish he would suffer. And he did it because he loved his Father obediently unto death. And he loved you 
unconditionally. He took your place. He took my place. So at the end of my life, when I stood before the judge himself, I would be innocent. He took what I was supposed to receive on the cross that day. He who knew no sin became sin for us. And God condemned sin on the cross in the person of Jesus Christ that night. Everything that I deserved, He bore. Everything that He endured that night was because He loves you so deeply. It should have been me. It should have been. But He willingly did that. He lived a perfect, spotless life that I couldn't. And then He died the most gruesome, painful, rejected death that anybody ever has. Other people had been put on the cross. Other people had been whipped. Some of them never made it to the cross. But no one stood on the cross and had the God of heaven and earth turn His back on them. God Himself turned His back on His Son, which He cried out then, My God! My God! Why have You forsaken Me? It's because He would never forsake you. And the only way you and I could ever have life in Jesus' name is if Jesus bore our sin on the tree. You and I have a a better understanding once again tonight of what it means to be a disciple of Jesus Christ. Somebody that follows Him. Stays obedient ourselves even unto our own death. It was a gruesome night. Our, Our crosses are typically so clean. Imagine a man whose back had been ripped open so much that flesh no longer was there and all of that blood stained the cross. But by His wounds, we are healed. Because of His death, we have life in His name. It's a night to remember. It's a night that sets us apart from everybody else on the face of the earth. One man died for the many so that we could have life. Would you pray with me? Jesus, it's about beyond our understanding what you had to endure that night. Not only the physical pain, not only unbearable pain for us to even think about, 
But on that very night, all of those disciples that you had been training and reminding that this was going to happen, they all turned away from you. One even betrayed you. On that night, all those that preserved the Word from generations before shouted out for your crucifixion. On that night, a murderer went free and you stood in his place. On that night, you paid for my sins, not even born yet, and yet you covered my sins. You covered our sins by what you accomplished in a sinless life and a shameful death. So Jesus, renew our our trust in You. You have been so gracious to us. We pray that as we have identified in Your death and took together the body and the blood, that You would strengthen our faith for whatever lies ahead of us. We pray, Jesus, that we might shine as living examples of what it is to have life, eternal life, in Your name. Amen. Stand and sing again.
Scripture tells us that there is no greater love than that a man would lay down his life for his friends. As you go in silence in this night, go with these words. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for his sheep.